0: The Chartered Insurance Institute has launched a consultation of its members on their relationship with the professional body and how it can support them. It puts forward proposals for the CII's learning and assessment and membership career journey and responds to the challenges which the CII says the advice profession faces, such as the increasing number of people trying to bring down the name of the financial advice profession. But coming after the disagreements earlier this year over the future of the Personal Finance Society, the consultation has raised concerns with some advisors about the future of the CII and the PFS and the relationship the two bodies have with each other. I'm Damien Fantato, digital editor of FT Advisor. I'm doing this week is Alistair Walker, a Chartered Financial Planner at HNW and Chairman of the PFS's Financial Planning Practitioner Panel, but he is here in a personal capacity. Uh, And we are going to discuss some of the things uh, which uh, concern him about the um, consultation and maybe some of the other aspects of the consultation as well. Hi, Alistair.
1: Morning, Damien, how are you doing?
0: I'm very well, thank you, yourself? Yeah, good, Um. thank you. So, the two Main proposals within the uh, consultation are the what, what the CII calls the chartered ethos and the professional map. Uh, and my understanding is that it's the professional map which is the source of some of your concerns, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. Um, I there are <laughs> there are layers uh, to it. the The professional map has it has challenges, I think, which are. Uh, fairly sizable for the for the personal finance uh, or financial services sector and particularly the financial planning profession Um, the wider issue around the consultation the timing what mandate it gives the people who have who who are going to be there when it's has been dealt with those questions all need answering too i think
0: Um, So the professional map, just to to recap as briefly as possible, it consists of eight areas of expertise, including, of course, financial planning, and then it lists seven uh, interpersonal and attitudinal behaviours, such as curiosity and drive to deliver and integrity, and uh, then it... uh, These behaviours are supposed to be developed by transferable enablers, such as core knowledge and skills, data and technology, and and ethical working. What specifically, my my personal initial reaction was that that it's all a bit, you thought that this is all a bit self-evident. What would you be concerned about?
1: So, the professional map is Feels like something born out of uh, a large organisation. Um, it's the sort of thing that would get a sort of an HR department at a, you know, at a big um, multinational very excited, because it would allow them to put together a balanced scorecard to assess their employees on and and these sorts of things. Um, I I did a bit of research about professional maps, uh, found that the CIPD have something very similar, which is an HR. A professional body mm-hmm. um, with a with a similar concept behind it, and uh, in a in a discipline like HR, um, which I can't profess to know very much about, uh, I've, I've got to admit, but but it isn't immediately something that strikes me as a, as something with a technical component, uh, where there may be you know significantly disparate sub um, technical proficiencies and directions to go in. Um, And so perhaps this sort of uh, hierarchical development Mm -hmm. through makes sense Uh, when looking at um, perhaps even with the general insurance sector, again, which I don't know an awful lot about, um, you know, maybe that hierarchical movement through an organization makes sense. But certainly when applying it to a very technical, uh, very regulated, um, but also very sort of people centric uh, um, profession. Uh, like financial planning, which is where my interest is. Uh, it just doesn't stack up as being a sensible way to measure people's abilities or, or strengths. Mm. Personally,
0: I don't know if this is a reflection on your firm at all. But sometimes when I speak to advisors, the impression I get is that financial advice firms tend to be quite flat in their corporate structure. Um, is that sort of the issue that you're particularly highlighting?
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, you, you, you don't imagine uh, a sort of a practitioner-led organisation to have these sort of multiple tiers of management that that mm. structure seems to imply?
0: Mm. So I should say the, um, the CII has provided us with a statement, we did invite the CII on to this podcast, but they provided us with a statement which uh, uh, which, which I will be reading out at various courses over, points over the course of this podcast, and they said that to create the consultation's draft professional map, the CII engaged with leaders, practitioners, HR, and learning and development leaders from large corporates and SMEs to specifically understand the skills required to be effective and succeed, as well as the key behaviours identified by leaders and as characteristics of top talent. The CIA was delighted to hold interviews with 21 representatives from the financial planning sector followed by focus group input and validation from a cohort including four PFS board members and another eight representatives from power planning and personal finance. Um, so what sort of impact do you think that this map would have on financial planning if it was to sort of become reality I suppose if it was to go from consultation to reality?
1: I think first of all, it's very hard to see how this maps against a qualification framework, especially because uh the the qualification side of things for, for financial planning is is fairly heavily regulated itself. You know, there are competency-based uh qualifications that have to be met to be able to be um uh, sort of certified and signed off as a financial planner or a financial advisor. Um so so that's that's a big question I, I also worry that it's just a distraction there's a need to modernize uh the way that learning is delivered uh for the financial planning profession as it has moved to a profession and away from a, a a sort of an industry and and the sort of the background where you know you sort of had a load of sales training at the at the sales organization you worked at and then you've got some technical skills and and, and moved through that way um and my concern is this is just a big old piece of distraction from the core issue, which is that the financial planning qualifications on offer just aren't uh, fit for purpose at the moment, and certainly not for the future, which is what this professes to um, to, to provide. Mm. One one of the other proposals that they
0: include in this consultation is the uh, changes to membership bands um, or, or membership bands where you, you know they have proposed four membership bands um, based on typical roles. So band one is frontline staff administrative all the way up to band four which is senior leaders and, and business owners and uh, they've mapped out that someone in band one might be a foundation member and someone in band four might be a chartered fellow is that a sort of a similar uh, concern that you might have that it feels like you're sort of there's a very prescribed route up the profession and through, a, through potentially through a firm or company
1: exactly uh, and i just don't think that that matches reality you know what we're dealing with uh, is something much closer in alignment to Uh, the sort of um, chartered accountant routes through where you may end up with a technical proficiency, which is significant. I mean, I know a number of highly competent power planners who are chartered fellows of the, of the uh, personal finance society. What they aren't is senior business leaders in strategically important roles for large organizations. What they are is absolutely fantastic practitioners.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, So is this a, A problem that you think is is stems from the 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 unification of insurance and profession and financial planning perhaps that maybe the two of them are sort of the cii is trying to do something that meets both of those professions
1: i am told that the that the personal finance society document wasn't derived from the general insurance document that that is something that 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 um, you know, I raised have raised this previously and was told that um, looking at the documents together, it's hard to understand why um, or how that hasn't happened because they're very similar. They start from a very similar point. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, I do feel that you have a very distinct and, and, and separate set of needs and requirements and sort of wants from the financial planning profession that aren't being met by by what's available uh, in, in the draft, at least.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, the, the, the CII has said that its vision is for personal finance and insurance to enjoy parity of esteem with other trusted professions, and its mission is to have more member professionals uh, to serve the public. Um, so, the um, other um, uh, so I just lost my train of thought having switched between that email and my uh, other document. Uh, two yeah, yeah, yeah. So what are the, um, do you agree with the CIA that there are issues that need to be addressed? You you touched on the fact that maybe some of the qualifications might be a little bit outdated. Is that is it fair to say that that needs to be addressed, do you think?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, it, it's, I think there was a stat from, from the president of the BFS uh, the other week that um twenty five percent of the membership are within ten years of retirement age uh you know so so that's a large uh bank of uh, of people for whom are, are, who are currently very important in terms of the qualification framework and who will no doubt have gone through a rigorous set of qualifications um, but actually the the focus needs to be on what are the future needs what are the needs of the profession in ten years fifteen years and twenty years and I don't think this is forward looking enough um for the financial planning um profession uh, to really do it justice if this is sort of delete delivering a, a strategic uh sort of future vision for the body mm-hmm. this is something that the, they do touch
0: on this briefly in, in the document i believe they sort of say um the breadth of the current qualifications misses some obvious parts for our profession so i think they mention um AI, um, data analytics, ESG, um, uh, risk, and employee benefits—is those sort of the sort of things that you're thinking about, or do you think it needs they need to really go further than that?
1: Yeah, I think the the, the key bit lacking in the in the qualification framework is is actually the skills of financial planning. Um, you know, there is a sort of a truism uh, considered by people who, who've been doing this for a while. You know that you go to the CII for their exams for the technical competencies, and you go to alternatives for the actually how to do the job, uh, and and none of none of this proposal addresses that bit, as far as I can see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I can see how that would be the case. I,
0: I've, for my sins, sat a couple of the um, uh, exams, and they are very technical, and they are very, very much based on sitting in front of a book and learning facts about bear trusts and, uh, you know, uh, oiks.
1: Absolutely. And, and the crux of the issue, as I see it, is that um, a, a financial planning professional is answerable to their client. It is their client that agrees their fees, it's their client that pays the fees. Um, the uh, general insurance sector, for the most part, is still structured in such a way that the broker the person who's sitting in front of the client is answerable to the person paying their bills which is uh, typically the product provider and so you have this you have this in some sometimes pretty subtle because i think any good broker would tell you actually i very much care about the clients and i have them in mind when i'm working out what the best solution is for them and i'm not um, and i'm not influenced by by the fact that that's where the money's coming from Uh, Which is very much the argument given by the financial services profession, uh, financial services industry prior to RDR back in 2013. Um, But the but the issue is that we the the product of a financial planner is the service that they offer to the clients, and the current set of exams, and in fact, if you look at the technical competencies that are within the professional map as well, the focus on all of those. Is on a product solution for a for a problem that somebody presents with, which is very much how the financial planning qualifications and C.I. offer are currently currently structured as well, and that really misses the point. And I think that misses the point because the people making the decisions aren't uh, don't understand that often quite subtle difference.
0: Mm-hmm. I suppose there's yes, uh, there's not a. Um... There's not really a sort of um, a soft skills, for example, there's not really a soft skills course, as far as I'm aware, within, the, within the CII um, portfolio of, of things that you can learn about, isn't there? It's...
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and not even so much soft skills. I mean, I mean I've, I've sat this uh, in the last year, the CFP, which is largely considered to be the international standard for financial planning, and that still involves looking at solutions for clients, but the focus is on the client and not the solution. You know, the focus mm. is on actually mapping out the client's future, the the thing we do in the day job, mapping out the client's future, working out if what they've got is enough and if not why and, and, and how that might change and what changes they could make to their lifestyles. You know, not okay, I've identified that that you know that, that you could be more tax efficient by paying into a pension or something like that. And maybe part of it, but it isn't the focus.
0: Mm. Mm. One of the setups, one of the ways that the CII sets up this, the reason that they've published this document is that they say that consumers' online experiences raise their expectations over, over service and, and address. And so, you, do you feel that they've sort of set up the, the the problem correctly, but then haven't quite managed to get to the the solution?
1: Yeah, yeah, and I think it's a it's a, a fundamental lack of understanding at executive level at the CII. And I think a lack of seeking to understand. So it's a combination. It's not just a misunderstanding because that can be resolved if you go and seek to to, to resolve that. But it's a, I think it's a lack of willingness to understand uh, how the financial planning sector differs. And perhaps that's a not wanting to look at the elephant in the room, which is that they are now, if they weren't before, two very different sectors currently sharing a similar group of professional body.
0: Mm-hmm. It's the, um, yeah, the, the the journey that a lot of advisors have been on since RDR has been very much away from talking about products. And in fact, some advisors, you know, they do lifestyle planning. They do, um, you know, they, they don't really focus around the product at all. Um, so is this too focused around that, do you think?
1: yeah I think so. and as I say, I think that stems from a lack of understanding and that's not to say that, that, that finding suitable products isn't isn't important and, and in fact you know it, it's, at, it's how the regulator regulates as well. So there is it is part of the technical proficiency of a good financial planning uh, individual and a good financial planning firm to be able to do that but it shouldn't be the focus.
0: It is a delicate balance, I suppose, isn't it? Because you do want to make sure that people know what they're talking about. Uh, Absolutely. But on the other hand, you do don't want, don't want to you don't want to um, create uh, automatons that just that can only talk about uh, that can only talk about uh, you know portfolios and um, pensions, basically.
1: I think, I think a really telling example of this is is that I know a couple of people who have been interested in changing careers, and so they've gone and uh, they're in other technical professions often, uh, particularly the couple I'm thinking about, and they've gone and taken the full suite of diploma-level exams that would give them the qualification that is approved by the regulator as being someone who can deliver advice. And they then struggle to even get an entry-level sort of... Uh, uh, power planning or, or, or sort of training advisor role because they're considered to be overqualified for that, but under experienced to actually be able to place to do the work. And so mm. if the in if the benchmark qualification isn't providing enough to get you in the door, you know, then that strikes me as there being an issue with the qualification structure.
0: Mm. Does that or does does this also point more broadly into the um that the CII needs to be having a broader discussion in a way about how you grow advisors, you know, where they come from, because, you know, time was that your advisor would come via uh, maybe a product provider, Salesforce or something, and then would branch out into being an advisor. But how, yeah, is there a, does does the CIO need to be holding a broader conversation about how you actually grow a financial advisor from school or university or, or whatever to being a chartered financial planner
1: absolutely uh, and that's the key you know it's about where are the next generation of financial planners coming from because you did i mean the sales forces don't exist anymore for a start um you know and they're all telephone based if they do exist and you know they are uh providing a sort of a secondary or a tertiary service there isn't that that they're, they're not a key part of the advice process as they once were either you know in terms of going and I speak to people uh the generation above me and they often started as you know, there would be quotes clerks when they'd be running from financial advisors' offices back to the, you know, the insurance company's um regional office to 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 put quotes through and that sort of thing. And that just doesn't exist anymore. Um so yeah, if we want to be a profession, which I think generally we aspire to be, then we need to look at how the professions that have come before us have have sought to grow themselves and you know it involves close working with the universities Um, there's not nearly enough outreach there you know there's a whole um, section of actually what what are we what are we trying to do here and as i say it comes from understanding uh the profession really Mm -hmm. do you think this is going to have any
0: impact on on you know the future of chance status i think chartered status is broadly speaking seen as the the thing that a financial planner should aspire to a cfp as you mentioned earlier is a global thing but it's still relatively niche in the uk um do you think that might despite sort of have some sort of impact on, on the status of chartered financial planning
1: yeah um i i think it needs to have because i think that at the moment you 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 have the status of chartered financial planning, planner without having ever demonstrated that you undertake financial planning um, and, and and that itself is a challenge and, it, and it's hard, a hard challenge to overcome because plenty. Of, it's not to say that it's easy to become a chartered financial planner because it's not. It takes years of years of, you know, doing qualification after qualification and it's hard wrought and hard earned. So how you deal with the issue of, well, um, you know, there needs to be some sort of uh, equivalency given to something that doesn't necessarily say what you're doing is financial planning um and that is a tough one uh but you know for as long as they've had it the cii have had the monopoly on the term charter financial planning uh and as i understand it from from i think picking up from a couple of news articles that isn't necessarily the case anymore or might not be the case going forward
0: mm, yeah i think there's um there's certainly been some you know discussion i think this, yeah there's certainly been some discussion about that i think the um there's just as, as just to, to, to expand on, on, the, on the statement that the CII has, has provided, it says the, uh, the, the Shaping the Future Together Consultation encourages all members and stakeholders to have their say, to help shape our strategy and, to, and to ensure we are fit for the future as a truly modern, relevant and diverse organisation. We have an engaged membership and we welcome their involvement across all aspects of the consultation, including a vision for professionalism. Our view is that professionalism is as relevant as ever and that it is a time to be more vocal about that with our members, stakeholders, and the public. We want to be more visible in the media to educate the public on the value of professional advice, to bring clarity to career opportunities, to raise awareness of the societal good of personal finance and insurance, to promote child status and enhance the reputation of our sectors. Um, we are pleased to receive be receiving consultation responses and encourage everyone to have their say on the proposals before it closes on the 17th of December. And uh, Alistair, I believe you've not relatively recently completed your response haven't you (laughs) all 19 pages of it
1: yeah yeah and that's it so i i mean the 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 structure the structure concerns me a bit i I sat this morning and and went through it and and i i took a note of every page and, and the text on every page and it runs to 19 pages and i don't know how many thousands of words um it took me 45 minutes to complete uh, but I think the most worrying thing for me is that the little completion percentage bar never got above twenty-five percent until the end. And so, when you're ten pages through, it tells you you're ten percent done, and so you're sitting there and just thinking, "Oh gosh, this is going to go on forever." Uh, <laughs> and you know, if you've ever looked at sort of Survey Monkey or anything like that, they have lots of guides, guidance about how you produce surveys that people will actually complete. And that's one of the key things: make it clear how far through people are. Um, it does; it is not clear. And I'm concerned that, you know, their dropout rate is going to be significant as a result.
0: Mm. Well, um, they are, uh, the CIA, as it says, says, they are receiving consultation responses and uh, it encourages members and stakeholders to use the online consultation form to share their thoughts about the CIS proposals, the challenges they face, their current relationships with the CIA, and how they feel the professional body can best meet their needs in the years to come. And the deadline is the 17th of December. Right. Hey, well thanks so much for that um alistair uh, i thought that was an interesting con- uh, conversation and um yes uh, thank you very much for listening and tune in again next week for the next
1: edition of the ft advisor podcast thank you thanks amy